0: are listening to Harvard Creatives. Welcome aboard an amazing journey of exploration as Harvard students discuss the meaning of creativity through their stories. Hello everyone, so my name is Amina Sinogo. I am a first year student from Ottawa, Canada and I've spent the past semester in the Creativity Gen Ed, uh, which has been an amazing experience and I am so eager to talk to my classmates to hear what they've learned from it um, and to just get some of their insights on creativity. So today I am here with...
1: My name is Francis Puente. Uh, I'm a first-year student from Boston. Uh, I plan to concentrate in English with maybe a secondary in economics. Um, and my favorite food is fried chicken.
0: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right. So... Francis we're just we're just going to start i guess with with the big question how do you define creativity
1: for me creativity is as much a mindset as it is a feeling i think um you can't really have one without the other you need to be you need the conditions to be just right uh in order to feel creative and both of those that's creativity i think You need to allow yourself the space um, to do your thing without judging yourself or having other people judge you. Um, You need to set routines so that you feel at your most productive. And then once you have all the conditions in place, then you can just let go. Um, And the feeling of creativity, um, at least in my experience, has very little to do with thinking. I'm usually never consciously thinking. I'm just doing, I'm letting my body do what it does. Um, and especially because my art is music. My art is music. Part of part of training for that is like practice and routine um, and study of music theory. Uh, but obviously none of that is going through my head when I'm on stage. It's just me and the drums and the sound I'm making Uh, yeah that's what creativity is to me
0: yeah amazing okay so you just you just mentioned um, music which is which is great I wonder if you want to maybe elaborate a little bit more on what type of music you do um, and how long you've been doing it for
1: yeah sure so I am a classically trained percussionist Um, I started in the summer after fifth grade so it should be about um, almost nine years almost eight years eight years nine years um playing percussion uh with an orchestra i started by playing like simple instruments like the snare drum and the bass drum and then quickly transitioned to being my orchestra's principal timpanist so i played the big kettle drums that come that come in sets of three or four the really really loud ones um, and they have pitches to them um, and they're all, they always come in at the most emphatic moments. In- yeah.
0: Amazing. Okay. So I have, I have a lot of questions for, for you Um, now that you've like mentioned all of this. So you mentioned that you were a part of an orchestra and I wonder how that whole, like kind of being with a, with a team, I guess, um, or like with a group of people that's all doing the same thing. How does that how does that work in parallel with what you just said in terms of like creativity being this feeling of like, it's just you and the like, and the music.
1: Okay. Very good question. I think since the only, the only form of music I've ever really known was orchestral music. um, A lot of it depends on listening. A lot of it is, in some sense, it's just me, but it's never just me. Right? I'm always playing off uh, what I hear the violins doing, or what I see the conductor doing. Um, But I'm also never consciously thinking, and I'm trying to be, I'm trying not to just play what I see in front of me, and trying to be an artist and feel. Um, So that's why I don't really think about what I'm doing. I think when it comes to classical music, it's so easy to robotically play um, the piece in front of you uh, because I mean that's what you're supposed to do it it prescribes this this note, this rhythm, um, this dynamic uh, and you have to follow it to the letter but there are ways to do that um, in which you you can still allow your own voice or style as an artist to come through
0: yeah. I mean, I, I I loved what you just said. Um, when you said it's just me, but never just me. Um, I, that's so deep. <laughs> um, I I guess I think I think that kind of comes back to some of the things that we've been discussing in our in in class since the very beginning. Like you know, does cre- creativity can't exist in a vacuum? Like we can't claim that anything is like all you or like. All completely original yeah. like everything kind of takes pieces from everything else and you it, it can't always be just you but at the same time like your perspective is so unique that the way that you synthesize all these different things makes it kind of just be you so yeah i really liked how you said that that's exactly it exactly it. okay so you just mentioned playing kind of classical music there there's a lot of room to be robotic in that sense and you know in class we talked a lot about how improvisation is like one of the greatest tools for creativity and so I wonder like in your classical music journey since you've been doing it for so young like have you ever had the opportunity to improvise or has like you know maybe if you make a mistake at some point like do you have to like improvise to kind of Correct it or like, yeah. Have you ever encountered improvisation um, in your musical journey? Um, Well, if I were a better musician,
1: I'd probably say no. But obviously I'm not perfect. No musician is. Um, and so yeah. I think everyone has had experiences where they've had to improvise, um, especially to cover up mistakes. But I think the main ways uh, in which I improvise as a classical percussionist are experimenting with new, new like techniques that aren't prescribed by, by um, the whoever wrote the piece, the composer. Yeah. I think it's it's such a blessing when you have, when you have like a staff, like the note staff, but it's blank. There's no there's no dynamics or direction, so you have artistic freedom to do whatever you want. You can play it loud, play it soft. You can do whatever based on what the orchestra is doing. Yeah. Or, it it often depends on the people you're playing it with, like um, it depends if you know their tendencies, um, especially if you if you've rehearsed it with them, um, you can choose your own your own little path there, um, and then when it comes to mistakes, um, <laughs> some of these are pretty funny. They're well actually. The most notable time when I improvised while playing the drums was in the sixth grade when I broke my left wrist uh, oh my running running track. I was a I was running and then some kid pushed me and then I landed on my wrist. It was terrible. It was fractured. So I was wearing a cast and the show the show was supposed to be in like two or three weeks. So I had to play with one hand. Um, and if. Have you ever heard a, a piece of classical music? You, you can't play the drums with one hand. Um, and so my my teacher at the time, he and I decided, you know, I have my right hand. I don't have my left. He'll be my left hand. And so I had one stick and uh, we, we practiced like hitting the same drum, um, me with my right hand, him with his left hand, and making it sound like it was one drummer. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, that's probably the most, the most crazy experience. Um, I'm very thankful for that because, um, it made me love music that much more.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there there are a lot of times when musicians have to improvise.
0: Yeah. I mean, the example you just said is just mind blowing, like your resilience to like still do the concert and, yeah, like like this person's willingness to kind of help you out, and for you guys to like fuse your talents together to make it sound like one. Like that, that's just so inspiring, and it kind of it kind of reminds me of this one quote that Will Hines. That comes from Will Hines, How to Be the Greatest Improviser on Earth, which we read in week seven of our course, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to read it to you and you let me know if you think it's applicable to the situation or like just your general thoughts on it. Okay? Okay. so here's how it goes. It says and this is in like the preface where it's talking about some of the different terms in in improvisation. So one of them is yes and. Mm -hmm. So this is the big one, the one that everyone knows. It's the mantra that explains how to do improv. On a practical level, it means when you are doing improv, you confirm the information that has already been said and then add more. So kind of this idea where like you might be just like in a setting where, you know, you you can't change what someone's already said or what someone's played or whatever, but you have to just go with it. Yeah.
1: I think yes and is very applicable to music um, because one way or another, when you're performing a piece, you have to keep going um based on the information that or the the sound that your your partners have already produced right you, yeah. there's no there's no chance to stop and reset um so i think music playing music implies yes and yeah. um, and if someone makes a mistake you you'll probably notice it cuz you've rehearsed it so many times but what i do when i hear someone else make a mistake is um I usually, I usually play as if I didn't hear it, or if, if it was particularly bad, I do something because the timpani is really loud, yeah. really really loud. It can cover up, um, another noise. So if I hear, sometimes I hear the trumpets out of tune, I'll yeah. play especially loud. Like, and then <laughs> I have a, the trumpets and the timpani usually play together, um, so I'll I'll hit a roll especially loud so the timpani will growl and, and you know, the the. Out of tune trumpets won't be so noticeable, you know?
0: Yeah. So another, another like, quote or, like, another concept that Hines presents in this, um, in the excerpts of how to be the greatest improviser on earth is just this idea of, like, the now and the future when you're improvising. So this is what he says. The now gets bigger and slower and richer and more evident. The future vanishes. It's weird and cool and oddly soothing. And so I wonder when you're playing music or even like in any other aspects of your life, what's kind of your relationship to the now versus the future?
1: Mm. Let's see. I think a big part of music for me is being in the present moment and not really thinking about the future. But I think it would be a little, it would be kind of remiss to, to not acknowledge that musicians have to think several steps ahead right and you also yeah. know exactly what's going to happen later in the song um so in some sense it's you know what's going to happen in the future but you don't worry about that for the time being because all you have is right now um and all you're playing is right now and you need to you need to to make it pop <laughs> it, it, you know if you will Um, (laughs) yeah and the future might be might be soothing because you know exactly what's going to happen but you can't you also can't rely on that yeah like the future the future shouldn't be soothing for a musician if you're paying attention Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know every moment you have to be giving your all to the present
0: wow interesting Quite the motivational speech you got going there. <laughs> I think it can be applicable to a lot of things, but yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts on that. I guess I'm going to, you know, in, in this vein, we were, we were just talking about like now and the future and the past. And I feel like this ties in so perfectly with your, my character assignment, because in both, in both, in like both your your original version of it and your like revised version you, it was a meeting between you from now and an encounter with you from the future. Mm -hmm. And I know that like you, you kind of wrote the poem and then you also read it out with like some music in the background and some voice effects. And I just wanted to say like, I absolutely loved it. Like the concept was so interesting and it was so fun to listen to. Like at first I thought it was just going to be you talking. And then like the voice effects kind of popped out of nowhere. I was like, Oh wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) but yeah I guess I I I wanted to to get some some more of your of your thoughts on like you know in the first in in the first like rendition of your character you kind of it was centered around your fear of like not ending up where you felt that you should or that you wanted to yeah so so how do you feel about that now
1: now I think I think I'm more assured that I won't that I won't end up being someone I don't want to become. I think, I think now I have a better sense of my values. Yeah. Um, and now I know how best to take care of myself and um, what, what conditions and uh, what practices will help me be the most creative in the ways that I want to be. Um, so I don't think uh, in, in my first, in my first version of, um, the, my character assignment, I talked a lot about not wanting to, to sell myself out
0: yeah,
1: and compromise my values for like material gain or fame or fortune. Yeah. Um, it was a big issue. I think it's a big issue for many Harvard students. Yeah. It's a, it's a temptation that, you know, you, I don't know, you major in economics, you get a nice cushy job on wall street. Um, you know, I, I think, um, at the beginning of the semester, I resolved to live my life in resistance of that of that really powerful pull. Um, but I think living, living in resistance wasn't enough for me. I think I wanted to not live against something, but I wanted something to live for. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um,
1: and I think uh, I don't know if I've found it a hundred percent, but this class has definitely helped me find, um. Stuff that makes life meaningful, uh, outside of my career, and even even within my career, I, I plan to be a lawyer. Amazing. Um, I, yeah, you have to be pretty creative um, as a lawyer too. Yeah. But you know, just little little everyday things like um, human interaction with other people, and how you have to be creative in that sense, um, or just collaboration and teamwork. Yeah. Um, these are all things that I feel. Make life worth living,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and they give me, they give me more of a reason, um, more of a direction than just. Well, I guess I'd say, in my first, in my first post, it was more about, some, um, a direction I didn't want to go down, but I still didn't know where I wanted to go. This time, I have a better sense, um, and I think I know where I'm going.
0: Yeah, that's amazing to hear. <laughs> I, I mean, I think. I think this is something that ultimately we kind of all want. Like we want ourselves from now to be proud of who we are gonna be. Like we also want like our younger selves to be proud of like who we are now. And you know, this this is just like an offhand question, but I don't know if you've ever like written a letter to yourself on like futureme.org. Have you done that before? Not on future you.org, but I I've done it as like a school assignment. Yeah. Um
1: and uncovered it a lot later
0: yeah yeah um I mean I just I wrote one to myself recently um for I wrote one to myself for like my next birthday um in September and I also wrote one to myself for once I graduate um interesting. I just I want to see I want to see how things evolve from here um and and I think I think it, it's going to be really interesting to like Get to the end and be like, "Hey, this is like Amina thought that like this is who I would be, but like maybe it's the same person or like maybe it's not. I don't know, but yeah." I think if
1: anything, um it's nice to to see how you evolve. I think in the now, I think well, at least what I've learned is that in the now, um you can't be too worried about your future. Yeah, you know, it's it's nice to see your progress, but you're your reason for living shouldn't be to make yourself proud of your future self. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That'll come naturally. That'll come naturally. Um and yeah. No, I, I think it's it's um it's better instead of me being proud of who I become, it's better for me to become that person and then be proud in the present moment.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) I agree with that. I was gonna say I think like, this is probably something that a lot of Harvard students struggle with, because most of us very likely spent like, in like our entire high school careers just like so focused on like this one goal of getting into the best school possible and like doing whatever like we could to do that. And like, now, okay, like you're here. Like now what, you know, like, <laughs> like, am I proud of my younger self for like everything that I did in the past to like get here? Of course. But like, yeah, as you said, like I, right now I, I'm not exactly too sure what I want to do next. So I don't have mm-hmm. like a random goal to like fixate on and be like, okay, I'm going to work for like this future. It's so, like, all I yeah. can do is kind of just try to make, make myself proud every day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it. It's it, it it can be hard sometimes, and I think especially for Harvard students to, to like disassociate from that whole mm-hmm. fixation on the future.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, that's why I take this class.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I guess in, in this uh, in this sort of spirit, as we're coming to the to the end of the podcast, I have another two questions to ask you. And so the the first question that I wanna I wanna go over with you is just, what is your one biggest takeaway? from this class that you're going to take with you through your next three years at Harvard and beyond that. Hmm.
1: There are a lot of useful insights from this class, but I think I was particularly struck by Giannis's sharing mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago. Um,
0: That's my T. And...
1: <laughs> no way. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's such a, he looks like such a sweetheart. Oh my he's God. amazing. Um, but I think, my biggest takeaway was that you can still make an impact in other people's lives by pursuing your own passions and goals and that maybe it's selfish um i don't know it's a podcast so you can't see me doing air quotes but <laughs> it's it's so, in some sense it's selfish but it's not really because what you do can make other people really really happy yeah um and it's it's the result of you pursuing your own passions. And I, I think that's, I think that's really beautiful. And I think I need to, I need to take that. I really need to take that to heart. Um, because I don't want to live my life. Just, just, um, I mean, I do want to serve people with my life, but I also want to, to make myself happy, Yeah. you know, and pursuing my passions. I It's, I think, I guess, to condense it, they're not mutually exclusive. You can have both. Yep. Um, and many times, if you pursue your passions, you will have both.
0: That's great. So. Thank you. And so, so for the last question, which might tie into what you just said, or for a lot of people, it's been different. But if there is one thing that you could tell other Harvard students, you know, like in the spirit of this assignment, since it's all about sharing what we've learned in this class beyond. If you could say one thing to other Harvard students about what you've learned in this class, a tip, maybe a quote that stuck with you, just an insight, anything at all, what would you share with them? I think if there's one thing I could tell
1: other Harvard students about this class, um, it's that it teaches you to take care of yourself um, and that taking care of yourself is the best way to be productive um and creative uh because if you're not if you're not allowing yourself the space to think subconsciously um and by by space to think subconsciously i mean sleep yeah i mean sleep if you're not getting enough sleep you are not going to to perform at your best you're not going to create um anything as meaningful as you could have um yeah and i think that's something that i need to do better at and it's something i will live with for the next three years at Harvard.
0: Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Francis, um, for being so open and sharing everything that you did about your life and your insights on this class. I really, really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Thank you so much, Amina.
0: All right. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in um, and for making it this far in the podcast. Um, See you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Harvard Creatives. See you in the next one.